as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, a.k.a. Citizen Bot, also a Big Shiny Robot. And we are joined again by one of our favorite guests, uh, Brooke Heim. How are you doing? Hi! I'm well, how are you guys? We are absolutely fantastic. I mean, we've been counting down to this day where we can sit down and talk about Star Wars with you guys. And I know you're excited. We've been, I've been waiting years to talk about this. So um, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and dive in really fast. Um, nope, and then, nope, 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 nope. Hold, what? hold the show. Stop. Right. We gotta talk about Alvin and the Chipmunks, the road chip. I'm very sorry. God damn it! I am. Ah. I'm. I'm more sorry than a parent who forgot to get tickets to Star Wars and instead had to take their children to see this piece of crap. I'm very sorry. Oh. A literal, literal piece of crap. Because for those not familiar with the Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, movies, this is, this is the fourth one. And, um, and weren't, they, weren't they chipwrecked last time? Yes, they were chipwrecked, and before that, there was a squeakquel. And in the in just the trailer for the original Alvin and the Chipmunks movie, there was a poo eating joke. Oh, that continues. Um, oh, because poo eating is everything that I want to aspire to be. There, and do there, in my life. There are pee and poo jokes in this movie, which is supposedly for children and. I feel very bad for the very talented people who are involved in this, and I hope that their checks cleared, and I hope that you continue to make lots of money off of them. And I'm very sorry that you had to be involved in this. Jason, I forget who's. Oh yeah, Jason Lee's slumming in this one because Neil Patrick Harris says the Smurfs. Yeah. So don't talk about the Smurfs, Brooke. You're not allowed to talk about. No, no, no. <laughs> I, you know, if I had to choose. The recycling Greenpeace jokes of Smurfs or pee and poop jokes and chip, what, the road chip? The road chip. What, what is that crap? That is crap. Oh, so, oh, so here's what happened. Dave and his new girlfriend, um, who we know she's a doctor because she wears her stethoscope everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, if that's the only way you can tell that a woman is smart if she has a stethoscope. Got it. Exactly. She, Brooke's got one on right now, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dr. Brooke, paging Dr. Brooke. Anyway, so um, uh, they they think that Dave is going to propose to her in, in a weekend in Miami. So they and their new soon-to-be, they think, stepbrother Miles conspire to fly to Miami, and then they run afoul of an air marshal played by Tony Hale, who we love from Arrested Development and we kind of hate here. Um, and they get put on the no-fly list, hence they have to take a road trip to Miami. Boo! And along the way, um, they encounter other interesting people who are slumming it in this movie, including a joke that I'm really going to spoil, because it's the only funny thing in this entire movie. Uh, they, they meet John Waters, and Alvin tells John Waters, Don't you judge me, John Waters. I saw Pink Flamingos. Oh, I heard about that, and I was like, you're going to throw in... A... No, don't get me wrong, John Waters is amazing, um, even though his films are crass as hell, but we're really going to throw in a joke about one of the dirtiest movies ever made into a kid's movie? 
Exactly. It's like they're going to get that. No one, and even most parents won't get it because most parents who have kids didn't watch Pink Flamingos. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like. I got that joke. I laughed at that joke. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> oh, that was one of those where like no one else picked up on it in the entire theater, and I'm just like, who was that for? I don't understand this. And so obviously the people behind this movie. Uh, we're trying to maybe make it a little bit better, but obviously some executive was like, nope, this is an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. It's supposed to suck. We're sorry. It 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 blows. And I still don't understand why a child would be watching Pink Flamingos. Like, Alvin is technically a child. I'm sorry. I can't wrap my mind around this. This is driving me insane. That is someone's blatant protest to express just how much they hate their life. Yep. I guess it kind of goes, does go along with the poo eating, though. So yeah, exactly, exactly, right? More poo. like when there were Star Wars jokes in the Barbie television, com- like cartoon show. Some dude is like in there constantly making Star Wars jokes, and you're like, I know that whoever made those jokes hates their life. <laughs> like this is not what they were aspiring to do. They're just there, typing the laptop, crying like. The checks had better clear. The checks had better clear. <laughs> so, may to all of you involved in the road chip, may may your checks forever clear, and um, your movie gets a two out of ten. Um, it, if you hate your children this Christmas, instead of giving them coal in their stockings, take them to see the road chip, and pretend the the opening Fox fanfare where it goes dun 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 dun. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to see Star Wars. And then, nope. Nope, you got the road chip. Uh That's what all the naughty children are getting for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a couple. uh, Yeah, naughty children get road chip and naughty adults get love the Coopers. Um, (laughs) No, on Facebook the last couple days, I've been seeing parents like, oh, the kids are going to go see road chip. They're so excited. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? You are a bad parent. Exactly. Take your kids to Star Wars. Um, or the good dinosaur, not the road chip. I know, right? When there are other legitimately really good kids' movies out Take them to Krampus. <laughs> it, I would rather my kids sit <laughs> than the road chip again. They would, they would come out less stupid. <laughs> that being said, my kids did like the road chip, so I don't know. They're very easy to please. Well, that's, that's why... Yeah, you know, we call them children. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, they grow up and have good taste. Hopefully. <laughs> but on to Star Wars. Because... So are we done? Are we done with our vegetables? Can we move yeah. to dessert now? Yes, let's please. Okay, so uh, we've spent the last four weeks kind of summing up the original Star Wars saga, of both the prequels and the original series. And this weekend, we finally got what we've been waiting for. Uh, the Force Awakens, the seventh and first sequel, technically, since uh, Return of the Jedi, to pop up and, uh, you know, into the Star Wars universe. Uh, we're going to keep this review completely spoiler-free, uh, because there's a lot of stuff that happens in here uh, that you just have to experience for yourself. That being said, there will be some major, some minor, minor plot points we'll touch on, just but they're in this, the opening title crawl, so it's not going to be like, you know, oh, crap, you ruined that for me, so... You're going to go in knowing as little as possible about the movie, but there are some things you just kind of have to discuss uh, because there's no way to sum up anything about the movie without that. Uh, but like we said before with other stuff, stay away from Wikipedia. I mean, I'm on there right now just to kind of touch on a couple things, and 
everything's there. So Wikipedia is a great resource, but for this kind of stuff, it's going to say everything. So don't go there. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, Andy, you're really good at stuffing movies up. Why don't you give us a couple minutes and just say very, very briefly kind of what was going on here. This this is the follow-up to Star Wars, and I think the best way to think about this is that you, the, we, we talked about this when we talked about Star Wars and Joseph Campbell, Hero of a Thousand Faces, A Hero's Journey. This is a hero's journey for the next generation. Yes, uh, you, get, you get your Luke and Han and Chewie and Leia all back in... Uh, in in various bits and pieces, there's not a ton of them in here, but they they are in here. But this is the story of three new heroes. We've got Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, the uh, the best pilot in the Resistance, who kind of like your your new wedge in a sense. Yeah, exactly, and and maybe kind of your your new Han Solo too. He's very he's really cocky. He's he's a great pilot. He's he's awesome. He's really funny. Um, uh, when when first faced de- uh, faced with Kylo Ren, uh, he's like, so so how do we do this? You, do you talk first? Do I talk first? How do we do this? Um, <laughs> I, I yeah. love that moment. Yeah, that was great. Kylo Ren is your new Darth Vader. Um, yet no people. It's not Luke Skywalker. It's Adam Driver. Oh, the internet, you exasperate me sometimes. Yeah, there's a really uh, dirty girls joke in there somewhere too. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, and then and then you've got Ray, who is uh, marooned on the uh, desert planet of Jakku, um, and uh, she she doesn't know who her parents are. Uh, she's been there basically her whole life, and she finds uh, Poe Dameron's droid, uh, little BB-8. Yay! And, and they. They go on a, a special journey together to um, to take stuff back to the to the resistance to save the galaxy, and they're aided by Finn, who is a an ex stormtrooper who uh, has seen too much and wants out, and so he helps he helps Poe Dameron escape. Uh, he he gets to Jakku with Ray, and they try to escape. Hijinks ensue. And that's about all we're really gonna say, because that's all I think people need to know going in. But this is this is their hero's journey. Yeah. It's those it's those three, and what goes on with them, and little BB-8. And so it's this great passing of the torch from generation to generation, and it is what Star Wars is so good at is retelling that hero's journey story. Uh, and um, you know, there are a lot of people on the internet who are complaining. They're like. Well, this is too much like the first Star Wars. It's like, bro, bro, do you even Star Wars, bro? <laughs> well, I think the you know, yeah, I've seen some of those complaints pop up, and it's again, it's those kind of geeks being the fanboys who will never be happy. They could have made the most perfect Star Wars movie, and in my opinion, this almost was that, if not is that, and they'll never be happy. I mean, you know. Oh, this one's too much like New Hope. We didn't like it. Well, you didn't like the prequels because they were too much not like New Hope. I mean, what do you want? You just you really don't want a good Star Wars movie. You want something to complain about. And for that, you can go screw yourself because this is a fantastic movie and you should just be happy that we have a good Star Wars movie that we can all sit down and enjoy. One of the things I really wanted to bring up and and 
Brooke, I, I know you wanted to talk about this, was how beautifully feminist this movie was. Ray is really our Luke Skywalker in this movie. Um, she's taking that central place in that hero's journey. And I know as a dad with a 10-year-old little girl, um, taking her to see this movie was just fantastic because finally she's got her own hero the same way I did when I was a kid. It's really interesting because I remember talking with uh, my daughter's father before the show, and he was so excited to take his son to go see Star Wars. He's like, I want to take my son the way that my dad took me, and I'm really excited. It's going to be this awesome moment. And, like, watching the movie, I was like, no, no, this is all about me taking my daughter <laughs> to go see this movie because it's so freaking awesome. Like, everything, Ray is everything. Everything that you want your daughter to grow up with. And she is she is Luke, she is Han, she is Leia, she is everything. And yesterday, um, we were watching Jedi with with my daughter Prudence, and she started singing when Leia came on the screen. Leia is my favorite person. <laughs> Leia, she's my favorite person. And I was just like, oh, honey, just you wait. Like you have no idea because Leia was awesome, and it was right as she like choked out Jabba the Hutt, and she's like, "Oh, you mean the giant saliva testicle she was talking about?" Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But it's this cool thing where like my mom and I spoke about it. She's like, "The girl Daisy that plays Ray, like she's so beautiful and she's so stunning, but she's not like forced or glamoured or sexualized. She's just this beautiful character, and that is." It's spot on. She doesn't have to like. Not that I don't like the the Leia bikini images and what she does for that, but like Ray is just phenomenal, and I cannot get over the feelings that my heart had when I watched her doing these different things and and the moments where she knew herself. Like she's this lost person who just comes to this ultimate realization as Luke did but just like completely unprovoked of this inner knowledge of who she is and her own strength and the amazing power that she holds within her and, and she just owns it. She's so freaking cool. Yeah and I think there's I'm, I'm going to address this in a way that I hope is non-spoilery but the the great thing about Rey, she never needs to be rescued. She's always in charge. Even when she gets stuck in situations, she finds her own way out of them and leads her own path. Poe Dameron, that dude needed to get rescued. If anybody's damseled in here, Poe Dameron is... is <laughs> you know, he's the damsel in distress for a little while here. But Rey never is. And, you know... All of their attempts at kind of this like old school chivalry and whatever, and it's like, nope, she got out of it. She doesn't need it. And so fun. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it was it was kind of funny because you know that, that's been you mentioned the damseling and how she never is that way. I mean, yeah, as, as much as we love the original sequels and I mean the original trilogy, uh, you know, and Leia's there and Leia's really cool. I mean, there's a really really fun. You know, interesting little clip you can go on YouTube and find 
and it's a collection of all the female dialogue in the original Star Wars that does not include Leia. So, and I think it's 30 seconds long. So, <laughs> it was it was definitely, and, and most of it was, you know, uh, a person in the background saying, fire the cannon, or, you know... The, and the, the ion control. Yeah. yeah. And the, the longest speech you get is from Mon Mothma saying, you know, many Bothans have died to bring us this information. So, uh, and even back in the original trilogy... You know, Leia was a very, very strong character, but you know, she was still stuck in a, you know, she was still stuck in a, a cell being tortured by Darth Vader. Um, yeah. And of course, she did come out and be a badass and grab the gun and start shooting people, and that was really cool. But yeah, uh, Ray in this just, she's, it's so cool to have a central character who is that much of a badass, and you know, it's, yeah, and she's this wonderful, powerful woman who isn't taken out from anyone. And she doesn't have to develop into being like. By the end of Jedi, like, Leia is freaking awesome. Rey was just from scene not one. Not that she wasn't from the beginning, but Rey is the entire time. There's no developing of how freaking awesome she is from from just what you see in the previews when she's in the ship and she's, like, she is in charge of whatever her future is going to be. And it's, it's fantastic. I... I would say that my only complaint with the movie, from a feminist standpoint, or, or any standpoint really, um, and I'll try to be as unspoilery here as possible. And I, I know where you're going, I don't think there's much to spoil, to be honest. I don't, I don't think so either. So, um, And I, I understand, we talked about this last night at a party, that the involvement of Captain Phasma in the movie was so disappointing to me. Like, there's just... It's so limited. It's so minimal. And I know that... Like, we talked about last night how the fans really just got hold of this idea mm-hmm. of what and who Captain Phasma could be. And we all kind of went, like, apeshit crazy with it because we were so freaking excited for the possibilities. And I, I genuinely hope that they hear us and they do more with that going into the next few movies because um, there's so much opportunity there. Like I, I know that she's not of the light and on the rebel side, but I, I feel like to have that balance in, in both like sides of it, I really hope that they do more with that character mm-hmm. and, and really develop that because I was I was disappointed with that looking back on it. Yeah. What was it's my own fault for being disappointed? I made it up in my own mind to be what I wanted it to be. So. Right, and that was if you listen to you know Geek Show podcast or Radio from Hell, uh, Carrie Jackson was always saying you know go into these movies with no expectations because if you go in expecting something, no matter you build up the story in your mind, you're you're probably going to be disappointed. I think even you know you meant for me too, you know. We saw Captain Phasma, and she just looked so cool, and it was awesome though. Gwendolyn Christie was playing her, and you know we were all excited about it. And like we mentioned last night, hanging out with everyone, you know, for the original trilogy, we kind of did the same thing with Boba Fett. Because I mean, Andy, you and I talked about how Boba Fett didn't do jack crap pretty much, except yep. for get blown into the Sarlacc pit. Uh, so, uh, but that being said, I'm really, really hopeful that she will play a bigger role in the next movies because she is obviously a fan favorite. Um, I don't think they would have wasted Gwendolyn Christie's talents on nothing. Um, right. And I think there's going to be 
Uh, a lot more to come with eight and nine that will include her in a much larger role. I, again, I could be wrong. Who knows? We 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 don't know anything about what's coming out. So yeah, but, I, but that is yeah. I can see that being a sticking point because I was really excited and it was a bit of a letdown. To I mean, she what literally had five minutes of screen time. Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting because she was one of the last people cast along with Lupita Nyong'o. And in so and they changed her uh, Phasma's gender actually. Yeah, exactly. She was gender swapped, and and so that's why I was I kind of figured, and and I think I've I said this previously, if not here else than elsewhere, she is the Boba Fett of this movie. Cool armor, lots of style, not a ton of screen time, but more mysterious than anything else, mm-hmm. and but but totally destined to be a fan favorite and. And I agree with you. I want more Phasma. But the same way, I always wanted more Boba Fett. And so I think, I mean, they're filming 8 right now. Who knows uh, what they're going to do, but they really set this up well. First of all, like, come on, we are all drooling over wanting to see 8 right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're just so excited for it. Um, they set it up really well to make really good villains um, that are kind of polar opposites of our main guys. And I think that Finn and Phasma have some unfinished business uh, because of his um, you know, his past as a stormtrooper uh, under her command. And I think that uh, Ray and Kylo Ren have a lot of unfinished business yeah. after after the, the end um, there. So which we will not talk about because it's <laughs> um, well, And I will say that it took me probably 12 hours to realize that I was disappointed with Captain Phasma. <laughs> Everything moves so fast and it's so well done and you you get into the... Like I remember there was one point where, where Ray and... Or excuse me, Finn and Phasma are interacting and I was like, was the, is, are they going to do more? Like I was waiting for more, but then you keep moving, and the movie just goes and it goes, and you have a limited amount of time to develop all of these amazing freaking characters that are just awesome. And I'm really trying not to use spoilers here. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'm That's my vocabulary. Trust me, it's difficult. Twelve year old right now, but um, but it it took me until the next day of thinking back on it to realize, hey, wait. I didn't really see what I wanted to from that. Oh, oh well. <laughs> I guess I'll get it as next one. <laughs> so it's not like you walk out of the movie disappointed. It's just that is one that is one place where I want to see more development. Yeah, and I mean Abrams is a, does a great job of filming action, and he he his directing style is very much you know boom 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 go go go, um, and it works so well with this type of movie because you know, we, so we mentioned that the Phasma's not in it too much. I mean, to be honest, Poe Dameron's not leading it that much either. I mean, he's got, you know, he's got some really pivotal scenes, but yep. you know, it, the lion's share of the movie belongs to uh, Finn, Ray, uh, and actually Han. Han's in it a lot more than I thought he was going to be. Han and Chewie had a big role. That's true. But with a whole new cast, and I mean, we're we're getting Domino Gleason as General Hux, who's absolutely fantastic as the Tarkin character, who um, goes like Hitlerish towards the end. I mean, it's. There were some breathtaking scenes that just blew my mind. But with a movie like this that's launching a new series that not only had to include the original cast, but also 
this whole new group of the next generation of Star Wars, you know, characters, I can't really blame them for trying to kind of rush through things because you, you kind of had to. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I want to I want to talk about some of these older characters and and their interactions because well, and first of all, I I'm going to cop to this how, how much I love this movie. I teared up five times in this movie. Um so um mostly from joy. Um Oh yeah, no, tears it's uh, yeah, the credits rolled out with crying like a baby. But like, that, like there's there's that scene, and we've seen it from in the trailers. Uh, uh, I call it like the dam busters scene, where the X wings are are coming in over the water. When that happened, and they show up, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's happening. <laughs> I felt really bad for the people in front of me because I I couldn't stop exclaiming like, just joy and sadness and profanities and the excitement and all of it I couldn't I, I couldn't keep it in my body <laughs> one one of the times when this happened was a really beautiful scene um, between Han and Leia and it it just was beautiful and so much was said without like in between the lines of the dialogue and and I heard someone uh, compare it to um, the the third chapter of the Before trilogy by Richard Linklater. You know what happens when um, when love gets old and when love is when you've gone through a lot of crap and there's been uh, you know two people who still really love each other at their core, but there's so much history and how they interact with one another. It was just beautiful and you don't expect that amount of heart and pathos in a movie like this and I I specifically have almost never seen that sort of really mature character development in any Star Wars before this that was, that was one of my favorite things about the, I talked to my mom and I made my mom go and see it yesterday because I was like mom I know that you've never really understood what it is that I obsess over with Star Wars. But, but those moments, like, it's so relatable as a parent, as a human, as a lover, as someone who is growing and it's aspiring. Like, whatever age you are at, they nailed it in this movie. Like, that worn life moment like, life is just hard, man, no matter how good it is, no matter how who you are, like, Han and Leia, they've got it going on. Like, you, you watch these movies and you're like, yeah, that is who I want to be. And then you get into this new one and you're like, holy shit, that is who I am. It's not just who I want to be, but, like, life is just really hard. And no matter how good you are, whether you're Han and Leia or whether you're Adam and Eddie or... Brooke and nobody, like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're all, like, the part in this movie captures every bit of that so perfectly and so nuanced that you can't help but think these are real people. Yeah. No, I fully agree, and it, and I'm not going to give any more details than this, but there's a scene also between Leia and Ray, and mm. there's... And it's, it was the same kind of thing where they're, uh, 
they between them they say so much to each other um, and just kind of reflecting everything going on and they don't say a word and again it, it's so interesting because Daisy Ridley who is basically an unknown I mean she is just fantastic I, I'm like why haven't we seen you in things before now and you're I mean I know you're you did some stuff in Britain I think some TV work um, but it I I see her being like the new um, Jennifer Lawrence I mean this is you know Hunger Games brought her to life, and now all of a sudden she was everywhere, and I don't see why Daisy Ridley won't take that same path, because she is absolutely fantastic. I want to see her in everything. Same with John Boyega. I mean, we knew him from Attack the Block, uh, but, yeah, they, there's, they're, ah, they're just, there's so much amazing stuff here. Um, Oscar Isaac and Domino Gleason, which we both we know from Ex Machina. Uh, it just, there's, it's wonderful, and they everyone does a fantastic job. But yeah, Daisy Ridley especially stands out as this you know, newcomer to the scene who I think is going to blow all of us away. Yeah, and I it's it's amazing too when when they get into some of the lower members of the cast, you have random people showing up where you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's Greg Grunberg or Ken Leung or Thomas Brody Sangster or Daniel Craig." <laughs> Although we we never quite see his face, but we. Do. But if you can catch the cameo, it's fun. It's one of the best moments, the funniest moments of the movie. That's that's it's awesome. Um, don't go look it up after. No, don't. After you've seen the movie, then look it up and then go enjoy it the second time, knowing that that's Daniel Craig and it's a lot of fun. So yeah, there there's J.J. Um, Abrams just really deftly put this together and um, I, I think we also need to go back and you know wherever you are in your feelings about George Lucas um, this from all accounts is still very much the the script treatment that he turned over to Kathleen Kennedy and to uh, and to JJ Abrams and to Michael Arndt who did the first draft of the screenplay and um, and Kasdan and Abrams like took it to another level. It, it you know the creative process that went into this, but this is a very George Lucasy story and very George Lucasy storytelling. But it feels 2015 the same way that Star Wars felt very late 70s, early 80s, and very radical and progressive for that time. And in the same way this feels that same way to me. It feels very um, it feels very now. It feels very modern. Mm-hmm. Um, I never quite got that from the prequels. Um, I got a little bit more like style over substance and oh, which, you know, was fine. I, I think you could make an argument that that's what Lucas was trying to do and trying to say about the Old Republic. But, um, but this is... This is a 2015 movie, and it, says all of the things that we needed to say. And I, again, without going into spoiler territory, the the evolution and the changing of lightsaber combat from the prequels to uh, the original trilogy to this one, even there, there's that you can see that same thing because you know all the big battles back in the prequels was almost like a ballet, very heavily choreographed. It was gorgeous, wondering. Some of the most memorable moments I think we have are those lightsaber battles, and then in the original trilogy, it was you know very much just like standard fencing. 
Um, and then I won't give anything else to say, but there is, you know, we all expect a lightsaber show somewhere here. Um, it almost felt like a knockdown, drag out fight between like two medieval knights with their huge broadswords. I mean, it was visceral and gut punching, and, uh, you know, people were tired. It wasn't like just, you know, this vroom, 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 and, you know, we're Ready. being fancy fencing. It was like we were smacking the crap out of each other with these things, and, you know, we're, we're worn the hell out. Yeah, and and if that felt very, I mean, you see kind of a de-evolution of lightsaber combat um, because like you go back to the original, and it's like Ben Kenobi and uh, and and Darth Vader on the Death Star, um, they're they're old guys and an old guy in a robot suit. Yeah, who's half a person. <laughs> yeah, and and Luke by the time of Jedi, I mean, he's only like a a half-trained Jedi. He's not... Um, and he pulls off some amazing stuff in there, but it's still not that. Uh, I mean, essentially, you've got lightsaber combat here from a bunch of people who have, like, good, like, melee weapon skills, but aren't, like... They're not super amazing uh, force-trained, uh, etc. So, but... It's it's really cool. Although, geez, Kylo Ren, some of the powers he uses with the Force in here, you we've like, never seen before. This is something else, and that's why this is really cool. Kylo Ren and and J.J. Abrams was very specific about this for a long while. He's not a Sith. He's something no. different. And the way that he treats the Force and the things that he does, and it is it's a different side of that coin, man. And it is scary, um, but but it it's really cool how they're they're taking this to the next level and they're um, they're expanding that universe. And and for the first time since 1983, I really feel this universe expanding very rapidly. Mm-hmm. I felt the prequels were very like inward looking, and going back to explain all of the things that we knew from the first three movies. This really seems to blow it up to a different level. Yeah, and that's really all the space that the prequels had to be. Like they, they didn't have much more space to that's go beyond awesome. that. And and this is just exciting. Like five hundred twenty four days to episode eight. Let's, let's <laughs> do it. And and only a few months until Rogue One. So <sighs> yeah, Rogue. Yeah, we got Rogue One coming. Um, and yeah, you. That's what's so exciting and surprising with this is that there are surprises in store. Uh, as we talked about when we did our, show, our prequel episode, uh, and as you know, we said before, is with prequels you always know what's going to happen. So we we all knew that no matter what happened to Anakin Skywalker, he would eventually be okay. He'd live to fight Obi Wan and become Darth Vader. I mean, there's no way around that. That has to happen because we've seen New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. Um, this is the blank canvas. We don't know what's going to happen here. There's there's no precedent set. We you know we can make a guess because, as we've mentioned a couple times, this movie does heavily play off New Hope with the hero's journey, um, starting on a desert planet. You know, there's a droid. There's little things that a Tarkin character. Uh, so we can kind of guess, but again, you know, Lawrence Kasdan's a great writer. You know, he's in this now from the beginning, so he's had the chance to work with Abrams and everyone else, and especially going forward into whatever episode 8 ends up being called, 
um, to kind of weave the tale he wants from the beginning. Um, and I'm sure they, they did, you know, let him do have a lot of leeway in what he wants to do. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see with episode eight as well, because Ryan Johnson is such a very, very different type of director. And he does focus very well, not only on action, but also story and dialogue. I'd say better than Abrams does. Um, if you look at the Breaker Looper, he's fantastic at that. And Looper's one of my, my top ten movies of all time. It's a fantastic film. It was my favorite of that year. And so I'm really excited, even though it's still you know two years away, to see what he's going to do with this thing because I I really how Empire was the big you know the, the big one everyone kind of compares everything to. Um, I think Eight's going to do the same thing with a new trilogy. Well, and I think he the bar is set very high for him. Um, but you know while this was a a lot of synthesis of um, of a new hope. There were elements in there of Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, and a little tiny little sprinkling of the prequels as well. So I feel like they've gotten done with that portion of it, and so now it's like, okay, now what? What are we gonna do? Like we just, um, we it's if if I can I I do these analogies all the time where I compare it to the Beatles where. If people are like, oh, well, Sgt. Pepper's, all that was was, you know, they ripped off uh, the Beach Boys' pet sounds. And you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's that's a stupid complaint. Those are both those are both good things in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, then the question is, after the Beatles are done with Sgt. Pepper's, now what? It's like there's more, there's a huge blank canvas. You've completely reset what it is to be Star Wars, to be the Beatles, what are you going to do next? And the, it's we're just going to get surprised by what we're going to see, especially this being in the hands of Ryan Johnson. I'm, I'm really excited about what that's going to be because now I have like almost no expectations. I have a few inklings of what it might be, but it's just it's, it's going to be crazy. Well, and that's one of the cool things too is that this this movie left so many plot threads hanging and so many unanswered questions that I'm excited to see answered or find out what what's going to go happen. What happened to this person? What's going on here? Who is this? You know, what's this relationship about? When you, who? What's going on here? But at the same time, I didn't leave the theater feeling unfulfilled. I mean, if anything, I was excited because, like you said, this is blank canvas. We have something new to work with. And it's so much fun to be able to go in not knowing things. And this is really the first Star Wars that kind of did that because if you think about it, New Hope has a very clear-cut ending and it, you know, maybe it leaves like, hey, what happened to Darth Vader? What's going to happen to the Rebels now? But you kind of, it, it, everything was wrapped up nice and neat with a bow. Um, Empire, a little less so because it's the, the second act. And then, of course, with Jedi, you know, it's the happy ending. Uh, but this one left so much out there. Um, that I'm really excited to see where they take because they could literally go anywhere with it. There are no rules right now. Um, you know, who are the Knights of Ren? Who is this? You know, it's, I can I can go on forever. And I'm not going to because you, that'd be boring and it would spoil things. But yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. So if I have one single complaint about this movie, the complaint I have about videos <laughs> is that. The second half is more engaging than the first half. That doesn't mean that the first half is bad. 
like the same way I won't say the first half of the original Star Wars is in any way boring, but as soon as they get off that desert planet, things just kick into a higher gear. And that's I think that's true of both um, of both movies. And so I mean I'm I'm vacillating between a nine and a half or just a straight up ten. My heart really wants me to go with just a straight up ten out of ten. But that'll be the fourth movie I've given a perfect ten to this entire year. Hey, there was there were some good movies this year. <laughs> really good movies this year. And I feel kind of bad about that. Um but I'm I that's that's where I'm at. Brooke, what about you? I think I think I'm at the same place. Like I, I'm going back and forth between nine and a half and ten. Like there was so much perfect in this movie. <laughs> and, um, there were there are a few things I wanted a little more of, but uh, yeah, I nine point seven five. <laughs> That's a loud movie. You can do that. Uh, I I couldn't go less than a ten. Uh, if I could go higher, I would. Uh, this, yeah, it was. I like you mentioned earlier, Andy. I can't give the tears of joy you had. I haven't had that from a movie since I can remember, where I just saw this movie and was so enraptured and so drawn in. And like you know, it was it was. We talk about nostalgia and we talk about you know reliving the original Star Wars. But I was that little kid again. You know, I was I was sitting there and I was like five years old with my dad watching the original one and just having the time of my life. In this new universe and seeing things I'd never seen before and um, yeah it's it was there was nothing I mean yeah I, I, we could talk about going back and maybe giving some characters more screen time um, but again I think that was just something that we we kind of built up ourselves so yeah you could go back go back and do that but it, it was perfect I mean the pacing was excellent I mean yes the beginning is a little bit slower but you got to introduce your characters. <laughs> and it's not slow. It's just slower. Yeah, slower. Because you've got to take that time to get to know everyone and exactly and say hi. Um, it does take off after about, you know, let's say half hour, 40 minutes in when they get off Jakku. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the pacing was excellent. I mean, we didn't even talk about it, but John Williams, man, oh. killed it with his score again. Because you've got all the, the classic elements of what we're hearing right, in the Star Wars movie. Huh? Screw it, I'm giving it a 10. <laughs> yes! John Williams for the win. I've never been more in a movie. Like, it's a 10. It's a 10 out of 10. Whatever. Um, yeah, and if anyone's, anyone's worried about that, if you want to go pick up the soundtrack, uh, the one I saw at uh, a friend's work, the back did not have any track listings. So if you're worried about any kind of spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, you can safely pick up the soundtrack and they will not be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no spoilers there. Although... This is this borders on a spoiler, but it isn't. I mentioned the five times when I teared up. The last time that that happened... Well, no, no, no. Okay. The last time it happened was when... Uh, was when Chewie showed up in the Falcon. But the, the fourth time was a specific music-related thing. When they're in the forest... And something happens, and that force theme kicks in full throttle. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was like, I have not been as happy 
with any moment in a film since um, since Tony Stark got thrown off of the Avengers Tower and the Mark Seven <laughs> armor yeah. like, enclosed around him, and he came back. He's like, "And you pissed someone else off." His name was Phil. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> this is what I want in a movie. And so, yeah, I there like uh, I have not had as visceral, happy reaction to a movie um, since the Avengers in in 2012. So yeah, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm and there was uh, they they threw in uh, again perfect timing of just a very brief. Uh, rip- refrain of Han and Leia's love theme from Jedi. Yep. And, you know, at the perfect time. And there's, yeah, there's, I, I can't wait to go, see, it's one of those movies I just want to go see again and again. Like, I would go sit in a theater for, you know, eight hours to watch it four times if I could, instead of working, which, unfortunately, I have I to do. I begging uh, people to go see it with me again immediately after. It's a 12 out of 10. Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. If, but, yeah, there's, there's nothing I would go in and change. Uh, aside from you know the the fan the fan inside me that built up inside my head, perfect acting. It's wonderfully directed. It's the cinematography is beautiful. They they did very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they were very very uh, sparingly they, they sparingly used their special effects budget. I mean obviously this is a huge special effects movie, but I'm meaning BB-8 was real. Um, all the characters for the most part were real. The only ones who where true CGI were, uh, you know, Andy Serkis' character and Lupita Nyong'o. But everyone else was, you know, the aliens are real. It was that same feeling from New Hope when they walked into the Mos Eisley Cantina and these were all creatures they had created and were on set, and you just don't get that anymore. You stick through the credits, though, and you watch how long it takes them to scroll through all of the digital artists that worked on this movie. Oh no, I, I'm not. Again, I'm not saying that they didn't use a lot of CGI because they did. Oh, yeah. But they did it in the scenes. I mean, there's a, a certain scene involving. Well, yeah, I won't say anything. Um, they used it where it mattered because, yeah, I'm sure there's tons of green screen. But when it's the close-up, like interactions between these characters that are, um, you know, these these aliens and creatures that are supposed to be real. They were real, and that makes it so the, the actors could actually play off them, because they had a puppeteer there, and they had someone doing the voice work, and it wasn't just, you know, a, a tennis ball on a stick that made Ian McKellen cry. Yeah, I know. It was, it, this was amazing, and, like, we, we haven't even talked about Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Mas Kanata, and how cool of a character that was, and the the digital that went into that, I mean, it felt really seamless, though, and mm-hmm. that was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, so we're all at tens. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone can give this movie a higher recommendation. Uh, if, if you haven't seen it yet, by all means, get to it before the week's out. Uh, if, if you're planning to maybe wait for your Christmas Day to go see it with family, buy your tickets now. I mean, uh, the, the, the numbers just came out. It uh, officially has broken every single record known to man. Biggest midnight opening, biggest one day, biggest weekend, biggest international weekend. Um, this thing is blowing up, and you know it's as much as we're trying to keep things spoiler free. And th- there are people out there who are just a holes who are purposely trying to ruin the movie for you. So if you haven't seen it, please get out there as soon as you can. Um, even if for some reason you don't like it, I don't understand why you couldn't. But 
Um, it's something that I think everyone just deserves to go out there and experience themselves and not have someone else pop in and be like, oh, so when blah, 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 and it just kind of crumbles around you. So um, any, clo- any closing thoughts on it, guys? And girls? <laughs> um, I, I saw it Friday. I saw it yesterday. I'm seeing it again tonight. Um, I'm going to try and go see it again on Monday or Tuesday night with my wife who hasn't seen it yet. If I could see this movie every day from now through the end of the year, I would be very happy. Brooke? Um, all the Star Wars, all the time. It, <laughs> it, is, it is not real life, but it sums it up. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, Going through it, watching a movie, not an extension of Star Wars in, in life is beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go see it more and more. It just this week, it's it's Hell Week. So just try, hopefully we can squeeze it in at least one or two more times before Christmas. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, and I, I mean, words failed me. I, I literally walked out of the theater and I couldn't say anything because I was just that blown away. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm never speechless. <laughs> I always have something to say. But, yeah, walking out of this, I mean, I, I had to stay up just pacing and thinking and um, talking to friends who'd seen it until 5 in the morning. And we got out, like, at 1230. It, just, it, it stays with you. It doesn't leave you. And, oh, God, it just, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, go see it now. Go see it a million times. Um, this, is, this is what Star Wars is, and this is what we've been waiting for for over 30 years to to get back, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's this week. I mean, obviously, it was a Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Uh, next week is going to be kind of hard not to keep talking about Star Wars, but uh, we do have a couple movies. Uh, the big one, of course, is Tarantino's Hateful Eight, which is his Western, uh, his new Western movie. Um, everything else is kind of weird because some things are opening nationwide, some things are only opening just in time so they can qualify for the Oscars. Um, I know Point Break's coming out. Uh, the Revenant won't be out until next year, but they are doing some special screenings, so uh, keep an eye out for that. And then the Jennifer Lawrence dramedy Joy, which I'm guessing we're seeing on Christmas Day. I haven't heard yet, but whatever we see, we will definitely let you know next uh, we've weekend. Got, we've also got Carol. Oh, Carol, yes. Uh, which opens wide on Christmas Day, and The Big Short, which opens up on Christmas Day. Yeah, so we, we'll have a bit to talk about, but until then, everyone have a Merry Christmas. We will talk to you after that. I'm Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon.